0: That's really what we're looking for is to be the person on this earth that God made us to be. And unfortunately, we live into other people's expectations and we live into the shoulds of life. What should we be doing? What could we be doing? What would we be doing? The OULDs, the odds of our lives. And that oftentimes veers us off the path that we were meant to be on. Hi, friend! Welcome
1: to Gather and Growth, a show created for passionate, growth-focused rural women like you. From mindset work and building strong habits to exploring the unique joys and challenges of living rural, this is a show to leave you feeling joyful, inspired, and a little less alone. Together, we're on a journey of reaching for the most confident, healthy, and authentic version of ourselves. And I'm forever grateful to have you by my side. Whether you're currently running on a back road, shuffling kids to town hopping along for a tractor ride or three loads deep into folding laundry, grab yourself a nice coffee and let's dive in. All right, friends, welcome back to Gather and Growth. Today, I am joined by one of my very favorite people, the one, the only Miss Kylie Epperson. Kylie, thank you for being here today.
0: Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. As if I don't get to speak with you every single day.
1: I was going to say, like, should we even record a podcast or should we just like download our Marco Polos? I don't,
0: I don't really Definitely even. not download our Marco Polos. They tend to very much squirrel off into very odd directions all in a matter of five minutes. Um, so so no, I definitely don't think that's the right option. Let's just talk here.
1: <laughs> it almost feels like uh, very formal and fancy to actually be on the podcast together. So, but if someone for some reason does not know who you are, would you please enlighten us? Who are you? What do you do? Where do you live? How'd you get here
0: today? Gosh, isn't that a deep question to start out with? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> who are you no. really? I know we're reading that book in your mastermind. Okay. I am Kylie Epperson. I am a farmer, a farm wife, a wife to a fourth generation farmer here in northeast Missouri. Together, Jordan and I have three kids. Our older two are blonde headed, our seven and five year old. And I always like to insert that our last child, he's almost two. He has got fire red hair. And so we've got three kids under seven. Um, We raise corn, soybeans, and then we also have a few hogs. And by a few, we have basically a full-time crew that raises and breeds and, and does all the things farming. A few makes it sound like you have like three pigs in your backyard. <laughs> right. I know. I, yeah, we have we have pigs. Um, I also have Rowan here, the red-headed crazy one that I mentioned. So if you hear him in the background, just bear with me. So in my day-to-day life, I have the privilege of sharing our farm story on Instagram. It started out that way, I guess, and it has morphed into quite a giving platform for me to share rural living, farm wife life, to make connections and really help to build confidence in rural women that are a lot like me. I also, on the back end of things, after stepping outside of my farm bookwork, which is something we can totally dive into, being in the farm and then deciding to step out uh, outside of the farm, I started a house of color business, of which you are my prize possession, Emily, or not possession—that's not the right word—but my prize um, <laughs> client. <laughs> I do own you though. Um, no, I'm just kidding.
1: As in I was your first client and I tell everyone that I meet about your business before I tell them about mine.
0: Yes, that's true. But I mean, it, it it is quite a pivotal transformation. So it weaves into the platform of building confidence and connecting, especially with rural women that I get to meet in my area. It's inspiring to meet women across the country and send them to other people to get their colors done. Because I know in the background, They're building so much confidence by just feeling really comfortable in their bodies and in their clothing. And so that's another story again for later, maybe. But (laughs) it's been an interesting pivot of events over the last few years. Not only did I grow our family or my husband and I grew our family, we've grown our farm and we've also then grown personally and really stepped into who I feel finally really feels like who I am. Mm
1: -hmm. So I definitely want to dive into a lot of that today. But first, I want to take it back to what was your experience like moving back to the farm? Now, you and your husband have been together for a very, very long, long while. So, did you have any expectations to what being a farm wife, so to speak, was going to be like? And how did your reality look different than that, if it did?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So, I have grown, I grew up rurally. So, I grew up in a town about 20 minutes north of where we reside right now. And I knew what I thought farm life was like. Mm -hmm. I knew some kids who farmed. We weren't really that close in friendships. Met my husband in high school and started dating him. And again, got that very outside view of okay, I understand in harvest after school, you have to go back and work. And I understand that you're making your money by power washing hog buildings. And I understand that the farm comes first. I think. Think, but what, you know, what priorities do we have at 15, 16, 17 years old other than just hanging out together? And so I was almost that token, that token farm wife or farm girlfriend. That's a better word because I wasn't a wife at that point. Then I went off to college. I got my education degree and I thought, okay, Jordan and I are going to be the teacher and the farmer. How like picturesque Midwestern is that? And I, when, when I was going through college, looking back now, because hindsight is always twenty twenty, I realized that even through college, I was kind of grasping for what I wanted to do in education, and I think I just went into that because that's—I didn't know what I wanted to do, and that seemed like the right next step, and so it's what I, what I should be doing. So I go into be um, a teacher. I got my bachelor's and master's in high school history education. People are always very interested to find out that at one point in my life, I was a high school history teacher. I taught for a year and then we, I came back to the farm. And so that's where this question arose. I knew that I had always wanted to come back to the farm. Again, that's what I thought I should have been doing. My mother-in-law is an incredible partner to my father-in-law in in the business decisions that they make in the, just the partnership in general and the understanding of each other. And I admired her so greatly. And I thought that's exactly what I want to give Jordan. I want to be just like her and Mm -hmm. I want to honor them knowing that we were going to eventually take over the farm and I want to honor my husband in that way. And so I came back and I loved it. I didn't actually know what to do with myself because, hi, I've never worked for myself before. So I kind of made my own hours and that kind of felt uncomfortable at different times. Felt like I wasn't worthy if I took time off coming Mm -hmm. from just a teaching job where I'd been to school and had to be, I was held accountable rather by other people. I mean, it was still great. So fast forward, we expand our hog operation. We build a a new sow unit in 2014. And I start doing the bookworks for it because it made sense. We were either going to have to hire somebody and pay like $30,000 for somebody else to do the books, or it was in the plans again for me to come back. We just expedited the process. Instead of a five-year plan, it became all of a sudden a one-year plan. Come back to the farm, do all the bookwork. I really enjoyed it. I like numbers a lot. I enjoyed spending time with my mother-in-law. We get along great. Got pregnant, had a very unfortunate miscarriage on our first baby. Luckily, I was still in working at home. So that gave me a lot of support. I wasn't having to go to work outside and have those outside issues other than you know our internal farming issues. But I was able to spend time with always with people that really cared about me. Got pregnant again and proceeded to have our son, Rhett, all in the same time as we're expanding this hog operation. We're still farming day to day. That was just a, a big revelation of, of transitioning into that life. Um, and so I did that for um, five years, six years, worked on the farm. And looking back now, if I, five years ago, if you'd have asked me, I would have said it was perfect and it was exactly what it was meant to be. And and it was because I wouldn't be where I am today. I firmly believe in like the stepping stones and the path that you walk on leads you to where you are today. But if you'd have asked me them, I would have said, great, I love it. And I did love it. But looking back now, it was very hard to transition full time farm, plus full time mom, plus then our farm is at it's expanding at the speed of light. And and so that that in itself, looking back, I'm like, Whoa, you ha- actually handled it kind of okay. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it was hard. Yeah. Guys, I have a really cool
1: opportunity to share with you that melds my experience in the classroom and love for personal growth, the Enneagram and intentional parenting. My friend, Sarah Waxman is a former teacher who now coaches parents and teachers through using the Enneagram to support students in and out of the classroom. She believes that investing in our personal growth is one of the best things we can do to pour into the kids in our lives. This November 7th through the 11th, She is hosting the Bettering Them Summit, an online learning experience with dozens of speakers prepared to share tools, techniques, and implementable practices to have the best year possible at home and in the classroom. The best part? A one-day pass to the summit is absolutely free. You'll have 24-hour access to sessions about building trust, communication styles, classroom management, developing mutual respect, and how our personalities come into play, and so much more. But for just $67, you can purchase VIP all-access passes that include unlimited access to all sessions, including bonus sessions with exclusive speakers such as yours truly, raffle entries, and a summit workbook. But don't delay because that price will soon increase to $97. If you are ready to learn from high-level experts and educators such as Graham Ashton, Gabby Gast, Margarita Monday, Brian Lee, Noel Don Clava, Elizabeth Leverett ortiz and Amy Wicks, grab your ticket from the link in today's show notes. So at what point did you realize, I'm not sure this is for me anymore? Like what were some of those stepping stones or signs that led you to think about not doing that full-time?
0: Great question. That happened just recently. So we had our third child Christmas Eve emergency C-section on 2020. You guys all know what 2020 was. It was just kind of a year full of emotion. Um, And I was pregnant and my mother had been at all my other births or tangenting, sorry. Um, (laughs) And I just, the, the birth itself was kind of traumatic. Again, another conversation for another day. But had Rowan again, had a C-section for all you moms out there. That's not an easy process, but Mm -hmm. I just treated my body as if it was just like I had had a vaginal birth and then moved on with my life. So I went back to work a week after having a C-section. I took all three kids with me for that foreseeable future because I had very big responsibilities at work. I also had very big responsibilities at home, but I could not give up the feeling of me being needed at work And so Mm -hmm. um, I think within seven days, I was back at the office, not full time. I mean, I went in one day a week or two days a week, but that caused a lot of stress in um, my life. I was a very average mom and I was a very average worker. And that's being really kind to myself. I was not, I was actually below average at both. I, from my point of view, very short tempered, very angry, very outwardly hateful. Not to mention, looking back now, I think I was really struggling with some postpartum anxiety. Not only did we have the 2020, 2021 outside pressures of real life, but then also our farm was pressured with really wet springs. I just let little things that I don't feel like got to me in the past get to me that year. Mm -hmm. And so I went out through that entire year. I've got the social media business that I feel pressure. Rowan is a very hard baby, is Present tense. No, he's getting better, but <laughs> he was in the past. And he, if you've kind of followed along on my story, um, I definitely think that I may have outwardly shown that I was struggling, but it was much m- more difficult internally. And so trying to balance being everything for everyone or whatever I thought I should be doing on social media, plus then my husband would ask me for certain things that he needed for running a business. And I couldn't answer those questions. And just time after time, I felt like I was not enough for anyone. And yet I was giving everything and it just wasn't enough. There was nothing more to give. Mm-hmm. And so winter were rooted per your recommendation. Thanks. Changed my <laughs> life. Um, met you. We we bonded over salsa True. and met you at a park randomly and <laughs> well, we planned it. We didn't just run into well, each other. Well, I mean, other. like, yeah, but it was well, still what, right
1: what happened is I had just finished working at the Y, and so I had totes of stuff from my office that were totes of stuff left over from my classroom. I think we had already talked about the salsa, and you were like, wait, you were a teacher? I was a teacher. And then we started talking about how I had just left and how Rural Rooted was a big part of that. And I remember, like, pacing around in my backyard, voice memoing you, being like, have you considered this real rooted thing mm-hmm. and being be like well I don't know kind of and I think that's the day you signed up I think you called me later that day and said okay I did it okay now we need to like meet at the park or something <laughs> right
0: there is a big part of timing in your life um yeah I did I did think I signed up and then we met at the park you're right because I wanted to get all the DL before I left and yep. it was right before harvest it was right now I feel like we've we're we're like entering our one year anniversary of friendship Ooh. so this is our this is our present to each other <laughs> This is, our, this, is our, this is our party episode. <laughs> so decided to sign up for that. Took a chance on myself because I had built this great platform for people or for women, rural women, farm wives, ranch wives, That those those wives, really ag wives. I just don't think that that has a nice tune to it, ag wives. Mm-hmm. Um, I built this platform and I just felt like, what's the next step? I could feel something coming, but what is it? What could I do to serve people? And yet- how do I do that when I'm drowning with the responsibilities that I already have? Like I desperately wanted to add something to my plate, but I didn't have any room. I'm overflowing with all of these things. And um, Rural Rooted, I left Rural Rooted, met some incredible people. The experience itself was wonderful, but I left thinking, what? <laughs> I didn't I don't know exactly what I got out of that besides the connection and the the domino effect afterward was definitely tenfold. It just came and came and came because after that I was able to really say, even though my husband had asked me for nine months, do you want to step back from the bookwork? The bookwork felt like my only connection to the farm. And so I left my profession for the farm. Mm-hmm. And that felt that felt fine and good, even though I'd been to school for five years. I mean, I, you know, it was just like, okay, that's okay. I'll put my I'll put my degrees on the wall and I'll move forward. And it's I'm I'm proud of this. I love our farm, and I still do to this day love our farm. Um, I love my husband. I love my family, and this is the place for me. But how was I then supposed to wave the white flag of I can't do this all by myself anymore? It just felt I'm an Enneagram eight. I like control. I like directness. I like Self-reliance is basically down to my core. So because I relied so heavily on controlling everything, that's why I started to have, I think, anxiety on the back end. The weather, I couldn't control that. I couldn't control my emotions. I couldn't control the behavior of my children. I couldn't control the problems I had at work. Oh my gosh, my life was spiraling at that moment. And so I came back and was able after we're rooted to have that conversation with my husband and say, maybe we should explore that. But I don't remember the timing of all of this, but I do think that happened after I saw the doctor. And so while this was all building and building and building, and I'm still giving everybody everything that I have, I realized while driving to Columbia to my one year annual appointment after it was 10 months after having Rowan and um, to my OBGYN and I was in the car and we had timed this trip because remember, I like control. And I timed this trip exactly for Rowan's nap like, okay, 930, we're leaving, we have an hour drive, that'll be a great short nap for the morning. And then after that, we're going to go shopping and we'll shop until it's time for a second nap and we'll head home. That's how I lived my life for a very long time. And then I punished myself when it wouldn't go that way, as if it were my fault that he wouldn't nap, or it was my fault that I, you know, if we stayed out too late, it was my fault. If we did this, it was my fault. Everything really was my fault. Um, And I still, I still fight with that occasionally. But he was screaming in the back of the car. We've made it all the way to Kingdom City, which is basically almost to Columbia. Um, you know, we've been 40 minutes out of our hour. He's not asleep. He's screaming bloody murder. And my mom, bless her heart, she's in the car with me. She also takes the brunt of my negativity during this time. And I yelled at my mom because she was singing him a lullaby and shushing him. And I yelled at her and I said, just let him cry. But in just a louder, more negative tone. Mm-hmm. And at that point I was like, had tears running down my face. And I thought I have to have help. Like this is, I'd felt very much not like myself Mm -hmm. in the past. But then at that point I thought I just yelled at my mom for shushing and caring for my child. Mm -hmm. Like two of the people that I love the most in this whole entire world. I'm being so ugly too. And so at that point I went and I cried to my OBGYN I definitely needed to see a therapist still haven't it's two it's it's a year later and I'm still you know getting up the courage to go and have that conversation with someone else but um, I did talk to my OBGYN her first recommendation was to find child care and I was like bro I've been doing that for like the last six months <laughs> you know, I desperately need child care I know and so as that progressed, it was kind of like God let put people into my path right after that. So I had that conversation. Like I had to have that breakdown in the car because I was on my way to the doctor. Had it happened any other time? Would I have talked myself out of asking for help? Probably. I probably would have. And so I did that. I asked for help. I got on a very low dose of anti-anxiety medication. And within a week, my kids were all sick. And if you know anything about having kids, and I know you do, but anybody listening, if you have kids and your one kid gets sick, it's like, oh man, oh, yeah. it's coming in the house. Like, mm-hmm. buckle down for a week of sickness. And past, that was, a, I think, a trigger for me. Again, this is me just self diagnosing, but I would, you know, Rhett would have a sniffle and I would be like, okay, Reese is sick and Rowan's sick. And now I'm getting sick and Jordan's sick. That's 14 days. Can, you know, I mean, just all these things back and back and back. And I remember rocking Rowan after that and Jordan saying, I said, Hey, Rowan's got a fever. I'm just rocking him. And he was like, you're so calm. Don't take that the wrong way. (laughs) I was like, I am. And it just was almost like revelation of like, okay, I desperately needed help. And so that served me for a really long time. And some of the darkest timing that I feel like I had had, it kind of helped me to dig myself out of that hole. And looking back now, man, I wish I'd have asked for help sooner. Mm -hmm. So I don't actually know what the question was because I've talked myself into a huge circle, but-
1: Well, we started with what was your experience moving like to the farm, but really you've shared your trajectory of what that initial experience was like and then brought us almost to present
0: day of- Yeah, and we talked about what, what it was like stepping away from the farm. So definitely an identity crisis for sure. And I think that resonates strongly with people who work in- live in, breathe the farm. There is mm-hmm. such an identity that we hold to our farm, to the successes of our farm, to the failures of our farm. We, we really embed that into our personality traits and our mm-hmm. mental state. And that's hard in men and women because there's a, there is a crisis for farmer male mental health because predominantly the industry is male. But there's also an equal for farmers that are women. And then there is an equal stress on farm wives. Mm -hmm. Because as mothers, as wives, not only are we taking on responsibilities a lot of times or the emotions of our husbands or our spouses, but we're also taking on the emotions of our kids and the dynamic of our family. And then if you work with your in-laws, that adds a whole nother level or your parents even just that extra outside pressure. And I'm hopeful that not every person in the world has to deal with these type of problems. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so since that moment where you know you asked for help and decided that something's got to be different, what was the domino effect of making the decision to step away from bookkeeping because I remember that being a really something that weighed really heavy on your heart as you were deciding to pursue House of Color? And then after getting past that initial period, what has been the aftermath of making that decision?
0: Yeah, that's really an interesting question just to break it down of the series of events and I'll maybe dig a little bit more into the emotional side of it. I projected everything that I thought my whole life was based on what I thought or what I was supposed to be doing. And I think a lot of us really live that way of we have these expectations for ourselves, but then we also live into the expectations of others and what we think others want us to do. The problem with that is, is that when we live into other people's expectations, there's very large room for misinterpreting expectations. Mm -hmm. There's a large area or a large space for disappointment and emotions that we really don't wish upon ourselves. One, because if we don't understand the expectations of someone else, if they're not very clear, and I think farm families in general a lot of times internalize a lot of what we expect out of each other. We we aren't able to explicitly say, hey, as an employer, I want you to do this. Well, not only are we employers together or we're employing, you know, working together, but we're also family. And mm-hmm. so there's just this whole other side of balance. So walking that path definitely led me into a dark place and those expectations built. And so once I was able to say, okay. I'm ready to step outside. I think it is time that we give the books to someone else. Again, that felt so ugly because, you know, my mother-in-law didn't do that. It still feels a little bit ugly, even though it's been such a godsend for us, but it still feels like, why couldn't you do it all? Um, So once I got past that and we were able to transition that, it took a couple of months where I was still kind of in the mud for a while until we got that fully turned over. I opened up a tiny little sliver on my plate of time and energy And in the meantime, found childcare locally. A girl came to my house and her son was in Rhett's class. And it was such a blessing. Again, God placed that person in my life at that moment for that reason. And I had this, I have no idea why. People ask me this all the time. How did you get into House of Color? And I was like, I don't remember. I remember verbally sitting with you and Mm -hmm. eating Mexican and being like, I think I might do this. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, you'd be great at it. But then even then, where did I even come back up with that idea? Maybe it is something that's just so subconscious that I wanted to do that I had just given myself the permission, like, look, well, you stepped outside of this. Like well, I think this
1: I think the story is <laughs> not to not to Thank tell you, you for you're... Telling my story. Come <laughs> remind me. <laughs> not to tell you what your story is, but in this season of so much hard and completely losing yourself in motherhood, in farming, in not even knowing who you are, you went and got your colors done, and I it did. was like the door opened on like rediscovering yourself and this like newfound confidence and awareness on who you were in the season. And so I think that your heart was so full of that. Like you were already talking about House of Color to me, and I don't know what the heck you were talking about, oh, right? And so I think there was a part of your mind that's like, "Wow, I feel like a totally different person after going through that process
0: what if i helped someone else feel that way too i'm so grateful for you <laughs> can we um can we cut that can i can i use that as my <laughs> promotion because it is absolutely true there was um when i got my colors done i was 3 months postpartum obviously in the depths of heavy responsibility on myself and expectations were unrealistic. And I took Rowan with me and he he stayed with my cousin. And the whole time I wasn't very comfortable because one, I was nursing and trying to pump. But I remember thinking he's probably crying because the three months before that he'd cried a lot. So I was like, he's probably crying. I felt bad for my cousin. I felt like it was my fault that he was crying. Also all not true. So if you're a new mom out there and your baby cries a lot, it's not your fault. But then I did love it. And even when I left there, I was like, okay, I didn't love the lipstick. I didn't love all these things. And yet (laughs) then when I got home, I just totally bought bought into it and split my closet. And it almost gives you something to hold on to when you're in that season. It, It did for me, at least. It gave me something that was like, this made me feel so confident in what I am wearing. It reassured me that I was right in liking some of the things that I already did. And then on the back end of that, then I got to do a little shopping, like retail type therapy, not super recommended, but it helped me. I enjoyed it. And I do think it was something that was just a little more underlying. And I just hadn't given myself the headspace to be like, would I be able to do this? And I think that lies in expectations. It's rooted in expectations because I remember even starting my Instagram page and it was based solely in sharing our farm story. And I remember even speaking about our farm and thinking, what did I just say? (laughs) Like, I don't know exactly what I just talked about. I don't understand it. And so as that started to morph and I wanted to serve that community better and everything started growing, because remember back when Instagram was super easy to grow on, that was when I started, Um, (laughs) I definitely had plateaued. And after going to Rural Rooted, I thought that that was going to grow into something like I was going to have this one-off idea that would just project my career in that or my my business in that side. And it didn't. And so as my whole brand had morphed house of color, I think by doing that, it opened up the idea of, well, you might be actually really good at that. And when at real rooted, I actually realized that my why we all say the why statements, and obviously I do everything for my family and for myself and for our family. But when we get more down to the root of like why I was even sharing on social media, I think my, I don't have it written down here in front of me and I should put it in like the front of my notebook because it's so important to me but it was to feel authentically myself by helping women feel authentically themselves hmm. or uh, the most authentic self that they can feel and when i was able to look back at that and it took a long time to kind of figure that out because you have to keep asking yourself why 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 no really why not superficial and i don't want i don't mean my kids are not superficial but That's kind of a given, right? For all of us. We all want to work for ourselves and our families, period. But what's that next step? Like, what's that next? Peel the onion back. What's the next layer deeper? And for me, that was it. And so once I was able to identify and step outside of myself to look in from these, you know, not rose colored glasses, which again, I had not been wearing rose colored glasses for a very long time. But when I was able to kind of have an outer body experience and think, what do I want to do? I remember back. When I got my colors done, I left saying that would be a really cool job. But then I left it at that. Because who am I? Kylie from Vandalia, farm wife, drowning in motherhood. I just, I didn't even know who I was at the time. And I there was not even space anywhere to think I could do that. Nor did I ever think that anyone liked me enough to come have my services, right? Because you're on social media and it seems somewhat superficial at times. And sometimes it is superficial. But that community outpouring after I started House of Color of people who drove to me, um, not only to experience the the power of color and to build their own confidence because they too desperately wanted it, but then also that the hours that they drove for me, I like to think it's for me. I guess for that experience rather, it's very humbling and just really cool. I live a pretty cool life,
1: but not to say it hasn't taken a lot, especially oh. over the past year to get to today.
0: Yeah, you really have to. You really have to examine inward, what you really want. And you have to trust yourself enough to go after those goals.
1: Hey friend, just wanted to thank you for being here. Seriously, the fact that you make gathering and Growth part of your day means the absolute world to me. You are what is making the dream of this show literally come to life. And if you're enjoying it, I sure would appreciate if you could do a few things. First of all, be sure you're subscribing, following. It's different on every platform. So wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you've got that taken care of. Second, if you haven't left a review yet, I would sure appreciate a five-star rating and some words about why someone should listen to the show, what they might get out of it, what you have learned so far. Reviews help other potential listeners find the show and know what it's about last, go ahead and screenshot this episode and share to social. That is some of the most impactful ways that new friends and family members find gathering growth and get the incredible goodness from all of the interviews and conversations that we have here. Again, I appreciate you so much and I couldn't do this without you.
0: This is kind of a message that I'm morphing into sharing more of because something resonated with me on a podcast or a book. I feel like I start every conversation with that at this point in my life. And it's it was your best is your message. And I know we've all heard that before. But goodness, there's got to be people like me out there that are walking through what I did the last two years that maybe I could help them navigate. Um, so we just really have to look inward and see what we want. Who do we want to be? And I'm still working on it. Um, But I like to think that I'm in a lot better place now than I was two years ago. And what I think is
1: so cool about your story that I connect with so much is just giving ourselves permission to change our mind and to change what we thought we would do versus what opportunities present itself and what journey we navigate as we get new information and we evolve as people and that it's okay to let go of things even if they were
0: a really good fit at one point and even if we thought we'd do them forever. Gosh, isn't that interesting? Because I just know everything feels so final, and farming has helped to shape that for me. My husband has—he's an Enneagram three, but he is very goal-oriented, and he's for, he can think out in the future. He lives in the past, but he can think forward and be like, "Okay, in six months, I want to have this done, and this is our plans, and we're going to get there." As opposed to me, I'm like, "Can you show me how this is going to happen? I need to actually know." And that has helped all of these experiences. Because experience is everything. It shapes who we are. But all of these have led me down a path where I'm able to objectively look at the future and say, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't have to decide today what's going to happen five years from now. I mean, even you and I have talked openly about, is House of Color a forever job for me? And I don't know that it is, but it is a right now job for me. And I want to pour in as much as I can to my clients and my community knowing that in five years, maybe I'll be morphed into something different. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know. And that's okay.
1: Yeah. And I think that comes with you and I both starting as teachers and being married to farmers like those are such identity careers. That was the thing that I struggled with the most when I left the classroom is if I'm not a teacher, who am I? Who am I without this role that I have stepped into that seems like it fully encompasses who I am? And I think that there are a lot of things that feel like that. And one thing that I even see in the conversations that I have is who am I outside of a mom? Who am I outside of a farm wife? Who am I outside of all of these other titles that I have based on my association with other people?
0: Yeah, I was just writing down who am I outside of because that's such a good point. And it's not just us that's dealing with that. It's everybody. But I do think that farm wives have this unique... Farm wives, ranch wives, ag wives, right? We're, we're calling them farm wives, so this might still apply to you. We have this unique set of circumstances that are truly unique to each individual farm, as opposed to like a teacher or a banker. And I say this lightly, There's, they have their own individual problems. So let me preface this conversation with that. But there is no cookie cutter for a farm wife or a ranch wife or an ag wife. And so we're trying to navigate that. And then we let the outside opinion of others play into that that are internally in our system. Then we let social media roles play out to be what a farm wife is or isn't. And gosh, it just feels like I would almost rather have a little bit of a cookie cutter mold to be able to have some guidelines. You know, I'm that one that wants an example. Can you show me an example?
1: I'll do my own thing and welcome Rowan to the show.
0: (laughs) Yes. Hi. Can you say hi?
1: Hi. Hi. Oh, stop
0: it. He's so cute. That has to stay in the podcast. (laughs) Farmwives, though, they just have no cookie cutter. We're trying to figure out what that cookie cutter looks like, and we're really allowing others to influence the opinion of what we want it to look like.
1: So based on everything you've navigated over, gosh... I would go even further than a year, seven years, eight years. What advice would you give to someone, farm wife or not, who's navigating to find their place or who they are in the season that they're in?
0: My friend Whitney always says, be where your feet are. And I think that's easier said than done. But if I could offer a piece of advice for someone who's just starting out, worry less about what's to come and really try to bask in the present while figuring out what you want. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's easier said than done too. So don't expect to apply that to your life and just be the best person that you can be. But um, that's really what we're looking for is to be the person on this earth that God made us to be. And unfortunately, we live into other people's expectations and we live into the shoulds of life. What should we be doing? What could we be doing? What would we be doing? The (laughs) O-U-L-Ds of our lives. And that oftentimes veers us off the path that we were meant to be on. And so I do think that every experience in your life, no matter what you're going through, is meant to be there, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, and remember that we can't have the good without the bad. So if you find yourself in a bad situation right now, understand that there is another day coming and that you get another day to figure it out.
1: Yeah. I love that you said that. I, I know you've been talking about the, the shoulds a lot. And I think that that is so powerful because how many things do we do? Because either someone else has told us that's what's expected, or we have self imposed that, or we see something on social media and feel like we need to be a certain way. Um, so, just getting really clear on what's best for us and our family and our own lives and living fully into that, I think, is something I've been very intentionally working on over the past couple of years.
0: And I think you and I have been on the same journey parallel. We're doing it at the same time. It's not easy. No, God, no. (laughs) It's not easy. And I think we devote a lot of time to working toward this and have taken a lot of risk and have set ourselves up for failure. And uh, oftentimes it's been hugely successful, I think for both of us and rewarding, that's the more important part, rewarding for all parties involved because I know because I'm taking risks on myself and stepping into my most authentic self that it is a domino effect for the positivity in my family. You know, mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That is true. Um, and not and not because I wanted it to be that way. Gosh, I did not want it to be that way. But that is true. And so hear us say, hear me say, hear, hear Emily say, I'm sure she would say the same thing. It's not easy. And you'd have to put in a lot of work. But you can do it. But you got to get real honest with yourself.
1: There's a lot that goes into confronting those parts of yourself. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something we've talked about in our mastermind a million times of, why do I even think this? Or why, why do I feel like I need to do this? And when we are stepping into something that we know is right, all of the moments of self-doubt that still come along the way and what it means to overcome those.
0: It, the more often that you combat those negative feelings, the easier it gets to realize that's not true. What I'm telling myself right now that's negative, it, gets e- it does get easier. So if you're in those beginning stages and you keep doing the hard work, it does get easier to say, this is what I'm thinking. And I also know that's not true. Mm. Yeah, and that starts about 50% of our
1: mocha polos, if mm-hmm. anyone was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the story I'm telling myself. And I know that that's BS, but it really feels hard right now. And, and that's thanks okay. for coming to my Kylie <laughs> <highly> talk. <laughs> All right. We could talk for three hours, um, but I know you have kids at home and uh, mm. plenty of other things <laughs> to do. So if someone wants to get to know you more, get connected with you, where would you like to send them?
0: Yeah, I have a couple of Instagram pages. My main page being at Kylie Epperson underscore because Kylie Epperson was taken at houseofcolor. but that is actually. HOC. And then I have a newly launched website, KylieEpperson.com. You can also find me on the good old Facebook, but that is just reproduced content from my Instagram. So it's <laughs> in it for everyone.
1: It's <laughs> in it for everyone. All right. One final question, Kylie. What does personal growth mean to you?
0: Personal growth is working on yourself to become the best version of yourself. Um, it, it is kind of the root of everything. And if we don't grow as a person, then we stay stuck. And I think living a very stuck life is one of the most disappointing things that we have given ourselves or our families. So personal growth is needed.
1: I love that. All right, friends, until next time, thanks for tuning in. Have I told you today how much I appreciate you? I'd like to imagine this was a meaningful backyard patio kind of chat between friends sipping LaCroix at sunset. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a screenshot to share or forward this episode to a friend. You can also find me at Emily Rushell over on social to continue the conversation. It's truly a joy to hear what tidbits and takeaways made an impact on your day. As always, all links and resources mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes listed below or over at emilyrushell.com. Special thanks to my podcast manager, Jill Carr, for the time and love she puts into producing Gathering Growth for this community. What a blessing it is to be on this personal growth journey together. Forever grateful for you.